1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 32 of Travel
2: Talks, where this week we're joined by the host of Football and Feelings, Liam Masters.
3: A great chat. What a guy. What a guy, by the way. Lovely guy. He's doing some amazing things on his own podcast, isn't he?
2: Yeah, Football and Feelings is an absolutely brilliant podcast, one of my favourite podcasts to listen to, and it uses football as a way to bridge the gap to talk about mental health. But today, we are getting Liam to talk about all of his travels.
3: For sure. And, I mean, he's got some, hasn't he? He's got some stories. (laughs) Yes, he has. We won't get too much into it now, but... You know, he has the experience of living in another very, very different culture, not just Mm. for a month or two, but for two years, Mm. uh, which he goes into. The idea of teaching abroad as well. He covers some really interesting sides of travel especially with the kind of aspect of mindfulness which even i Mm. was quite taken back by his his uh point of view really 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 interesting stuff i'm looking forward for people to listen to this one
2: yeah he speaks so eloquently about mental health in relation to travel and i really enjoyed having that conversation with him and we opened up all three of us and it was a really nice conversation to have so i'm sure people are going to love this episode I nearly
4: died in Indonesia from a a food allergy.
2: (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's the titles on this. Yeah.
4: The most incredible memory that I have is having a moped in these more rural areas and being so taken away by the view that I've had to stop because otherwise mm. it would really affect my driving. It was one like little valley of, uh, of mountains that I got off and I was shouting down because you could just hear your echo like 10 seconds later. Wow. <laughs> um, I think I shouted, ah, oh, some Venger out. <laughs> <laughs> It was only when I came home that I realized I probably did struggle with anxiety levels and early stages of depression when I, just before I left Bangkok. I need, I physically need nature. Like there's mm. a, it's a necessity for my mental well-being. And yeah, connecting with people. That's, I feel that's just what humans are. It's just what we, it all boils down to. If it wasn't for other people, we wouldn't be here. One thing that keeps me up at night is the thought of being older and having like what if in my mind Mm. all the time and like you you should have taken that opportunity like I understand it's not that easy but if you really want it to happen you can make it work.
2: Liam Masters it's an absolute pleasure to have you on Travel Talks it's been in the works for a little while so it's great to finally make it happen. How are you doing, mate?
4: I'm good. The pleasure is all mine, by the way. I'm a massive fan of the pod. I feel like I've won a competition, to be honest. It's a pleasure. Like me and you, Alex, we connected through our podcast. Mm. And it's like uh, like our podcast babies can now play together. <laughs> Letting let <it> them mingle post-lockdown.
3: <laughs> so, all right, let's start it. Let's start with the question we ask everyone. The first question is always a big one. How important is travel to you?
4: Um, it's it's very important. It's always had a big part of my life, but in different forms, like from family holidays. uh, That I've always got great memories of them. Um, Strangely enough, all my best memories from family holidays are caravan holidays to Great Yarmouth. Mm -hmm. Um, just loved them. Always a great mix of people. From that to city breaks to some rather crass lads holidays to (laughs) backpacking to to living abroad like travel has always been there but it's just been in in various different forms Like we're lucky to live on this planet cheesy as that sounds like the chances of us being here are so small Mm. and i'm lucky to have had the experiences and the possibility to travel yeah you get one life so i want to travel as much as i can without um damaging myself. Alex is that the best answer to that question we've had so far? It's, it's definitely up
3: there. I think it might be. So eloquently put, perfect mate, love
2: that. I want to start us off by talking about the time you spent teaching English as a foreign language whilst living in Bangkok now but to set us up for that conversation it'd be amazing if you could explain a little bit of the backstory about where the idea came from, yeah. what it took to make the idea happen how much planning was needed, mm-hmm. and most importantly, the reaction you got from your parents, your friends, and your family when you told them that you were going to move to the other side of the world to teach English. <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, my
4: brother's friend had already done it, like he was quite a bit older than me, well, not that much older than me. Um, he'd done it and I messaged him like two years before I went, just as like a fleeting thought, really. Like I didn't, I didn't think it would go anywhere. I just found it interesting. I ended up going, but like I, I was working full time in our family shop, uh, just selling like, electrical gear, like TVs, washing machines. I was that uh, that local salesman with that with that chirpy mm. smile that the, the old women seem to love. Um, <laughs> and I was, I was I was just living for the weekend, like that mm. that that was all. And like, I I knew it was fun, it it was really good fun. I learned a lot about myself, but. I just wanted to do do a little bit more. I'm from a small town in Essex and it's without disrespecting anyone, there's some lovely people here. It is a place that not that many people leave, mm. I guess, apart from like for uni, um, of course. And uh I mean people would do like the the year in Oz, as a lot of people do, to get the like the work in travel visa. So as much as I wanted the adventure, I also wanted to break the mould a little bit and be be a bit different. So so edgy. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I went on holiday to Thailand a, a year before I moved there with two friends just for like 12 days. That was a, a whistle stop tour. We went with a with a tour uh, travel company just because we didn't have much time fitting it into our holiday. So we just wanted them to deal with everything. Went to Bangkok, Khao Sok National Park, which was incredible, and, and Koh Phan Yang. And I just realized then that I wanted to do more of it. Like I didn't want to just fit it in to my allocated three, four weeks holiday. Like I wanted to, to experience life living there. So eventually I contacted an agency called Explore Asia, who do TEFL certificates, teaching English as a foreign language, which you, you need a certificate basically to go there. And i just booked a one-way flight. Like my friends and family knew I was thinking about it, but... It was still quite a surprise, I think, when when I walked downstairs and I just said to my mum, "I booked this book this one way flight with Emirates," <laughs> and she, she she sort of just looked at me. She didn't really react and rolled her eyes a little bit, which uh, <laughs> which I was I, I was a bit fuming about. <laughs> but um, I'm the youngest of four, so I understood why she might not have wanted me to to leave. Um, perhaps, um, yeah. So I got that. Uh, I didn't know how long I'd be gone. That was like a bit Mm. of a a mystery around it. One part of me thought six months, that'll be great, come home. Mm. Another part of me thought like I'm in this for the long haul, I'm going to live here. Mm. So it ended up being like an emotional goodbye. That sounds a bit silly now. I know that I was there for two years, but I I really didn't know. Um, An emotional goodbye, my family and some of my friends. Yeah, it seemed like a very big deal in my inner circles. But to me, it was just, I was just buzzing. (laughs) I want to, uh, before we get in, stuck into that particular um, experience, uh,
3: teaching in, in Thailand, I want to just go back a little bit because, you know, you said something there that I can really relate to, which is coming from Essex and being surrounded by people that never leave the bubble. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you find, I, I found when I, I first did some traveling and I came back and told the story, it was like, oh, look at this guy, he's gone traveling. And I, almost people that didn't want to hear about it, I didn't want to involve in it. Did you have a similar experience?
4: Yes, quite often. Like, I find myself still doing it now. Like, if... Unless the location is so important to the context of the story, I just won't say it <laughs> because, I could, because I know I'm going to get peppered for it. I was like, oh, yeah, we get it. You went to Thailand. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I know what you mean. But then also, like, a lot of people, for some reason, people knew before I'd even, like, put it on my Facebook as the, the holy grail of news is. Um, mm. like, I remember being in my local pub and, like, people that I wasn't really friends with, but, like, I went to, i see them on nights out, came up to me and was like, oh, I heard you're moving to Thailand. It's like, like, why? I'd, for me, it was weird that that news had travelled. Like, I'm going, I, to me, I was going to Thailand. It wasn't that big of a deal. But, yeah, it, it is strange. It is strange. That, that mentality of, like, you're here now, you've got to stay. I'm not, not a fan of that.
3: Yeah, no, completely agree. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about that teaching English as a foreign language uh, in Thailand. Teaching abroad is something that a lot of, lot of people do and a lot of people want to do. I certainly know a few people that have done it, and I'm sure, or hopefully there's people listening that have thought about it or want to do it as well. For those people, what advice could
4: you give on living and working abroad? And would you recommend it? I would. I definitely recommend it. A hundred percent. I'll come more onto that more later. But like I, as far as I know, the the legalities of it have changed quite a lot since I <laughs> since I went. I was I was twenty one. To put this into perspective, I was twenty one. I didn't have a degree. Um, I, I paid this company to do a one month one month teaching qualification, which which you have to do. You have to have a TEPL certificate to do it. Now you need to have a degree. Mm. Let's say that loopholes were quite big, and saying <laughs> so, you know, loop, and there was a, there were a lot of grey areas. Let, let's let's just say that. Whereas whereas now it's like it's set in stone. I, I wasn't there as like an illegal immigrant or, or anything like that, but um, yeah, it, it was a it was a grey area. So yeah, I did. I signed up with Explore Asia. I did a month training in, in Hua Hin which is a, a beach town um, with like 20 random people who ended up becoming like some really close friends just from all around the world everyone planning to do different things after it and this company they they guaranteed you one job offer at the end that was like their their big sell so they'd find find a job for you like they offered me one like two hours outside of Bangkok in like the arse end of nowhere pretty much and I I didn't really want to, want to do that. I, I ended up saying no. It was like really badly paid and a three-month contract. But because I didn't have a degree, I didn't really have, have a leg to to stand on technically because other people were more qualified. The others in my group just took jobs in like random places because they were doing like six-month trips, I guess, and they wanted to experience like a, a rural Thailand and most of them wanted to be living on an island but there's only so many schools on on Koh Samui that you can't, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's not possible for everyone unfortunately yeah so I ended up saying no to that job offer and I just moved to Bangkok because um, I had a friend there he put me in touch with his agent most people would get their jobs through through agencies um, at the time anyway again that that might have changed and I somehow managed to blag a job in a in a uh, private bilingual school, in the in the English department, teaching the youngest kids were like three, and then it was up to primary school. Um, I was mainly teaching like six year olds. Yeah, so I've I just I don't really know how I managed to get that job. I think it's just because I'm white and have glasses. I think that was a big winner. <laughs> um, I looked like an English teacher, but the job was the the job was great fun. Um, especially for the first year i was teaching like six-year-olds mainly like i really had to channel my inner mr tumble like singing songs and (laughs) and stuff like that i even made up a few songs which um will never see the light of day although i should should probably try to commercialize that because you see they get mad hits on youtube (laughs) 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 yeah so so i worked at that school for like 18 months eventually i worked online part-time as well there are loads if you want to try it, this might be a good idea. There are loads of uh, of Chinese companies who do teaching online. Mm. You can choose your own hours. They they paid pretty well. I was getting paid like 20 US dollars an hour on this Chinese platform. Um, and they arrange everything. They give you the lesson plans and stuff like that. So in my spare time, I was earning like a, an extra income. Yeah, like money wise in Thailand, Thailand doesn't pay as good as some other countries. If you go to work in Japan or... Uh, or Seoul, so for example, mm. I've got a friend in Seoul. He he earns earns pretty decent money. But the tile out, like the the cost of living was so low, like it was just a joke. Like I my rent was like £250 I had a, a gym and a swimming pool downstairs. Wow. So like you're just not gonna get that sort of value. It was a one-bed flat as well. Yeah, I, I did I saved that money before, but I probably didn't need to. But that was in case I didn't like the work. I was prepared to, to just go backpack it. Yeah, so Explore Asia was the company I went with. There are a few, quite a few others. You don't even have to do a one-month course in Thailand. You can just do it at home um, and then go for it and, and look for a job. But with, with Thailand, one thing before before I round that off, you do need to be in Thailand, really, before you start looking for jobs. I don't know why, because other countries you can apply before and they help you relocate, whereas Thailand, they, they want you to be, to be there and ready to go for whatever reason.
3: So would you say, based on your experience, because you did kind of both sides of it you did it through a company but then you also did it off your own back as well in that same situation what would you advise someone to do do you think the method of going through a company is better or is, is there more opportunity
4: if you do it yourself it depends on your timeline and and your experience like the agency whatever the age whatever you were getting paid at the agency that was obviously not going to be the full wage of the job they were taking quite a healthy cut I, I would imagine anyway i i would say go on on your own and sort of know your own value timing is very important in thailand like make sure you know make sure you know when the summer holidays are get there just before the summer holidays and then start looking for jobs if you start looking in like july which is like halfway through one of their first terms like you're you're probably not gonna find a job until like christmas okay it's so much more difficult so I don't think that I don't think there is really like one way of doing it. I think got will be open. Yeah. Yeah. You've just got to be open. If you find a job for an agency that you you get on with really well and you like the idea of it and it's in a good location, then go for it. But if not, there are a lot of jobs. I'd say that at the time there were a lot of jobs. It's probably more difficult now because of COVID. But yeah, there, there were a lot of options. Mm.
2: Okay. Sweet. So I want to talk now about your time living in Bangkok because it's, of course, one of the most intense, densely populated cities mm. in the entire world. And most people that you speak to who've been there will say that you only need to be there for a couple of days. Yeah. So what was it like living there for two years? I think that Bangkok can be whatever
4: you want it to be. I think um, <laughs> I I understand. I really do understand when people say that... Um, that they go there for a few days and that was enough. I completely understand that because people, they're probably going to the backpacking district, probably Kalsam Road, Mm. that sort of area. That is so overwhelming there. You're in just like this formidable tourist trap. You can't really, it's so hot. You feel like you can't breathe. You just, people are just asking you to come into their, to their cafe or restaurant all the time but you you have you end up just mixing with different circles i guess and going to new places you get used to the hustle and bustle i'd say and you find ways to keep yourself quite calm mm. And you, yeah, like I said, you end up hanging in residential areas, which are a bit more relaxed anyway. And you get involved in things that you wouldn't do if you were a tourist. Like I played football twice a week and became part of like this expat football community. That was mm-hmm. really cool. Like I'd spend some nights just in my flat at home. Like that was that happens. Like I can't be out all the time in <laughs> Sam Road. Like I'd I'd go I'd go mental. Like like anywhere you you have to make your your apartment yours and uh, have the right people around you and stuff like that like those relaxed days where i didn't leave the flat like they were there were no no big deal like a lot of people when they were there for a short amount of time you want to do as much as you can cramming it all in and i guess yeah you just take things a bit slower i think mean, you don't need to rush to see all the temples and ride all the tuk-tuks you can just you can just slow down although i do remember i, I remember becoming like a Two months into living there, becoming like a bit obnoxious towards um, <laughs> backpackers. <laughs> 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 I, I, I just—I remember like. If when backpackers were like were maybe like the bar that I was in, and if they were like, "Yeah, man, Thailand, Thailand's so cool. Like, I wish I could stay longer. Like, you should you should check out this temple, man." I'm like, "Yeah." And for some reason, I was such a dickhead. I was like, "Yeah, well, actually, I do live here. So I I think I know. I think I know the best places." (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm glad that I uh, I had the self awareness to get to
3: get out of that stage pretty quickly. I think I'd be exactly the same. So to follow on from from that, you know, experience of living in in Thailand, there's obviously a lot of difference between visiting a place and then living there like you touched on. So you must have seen a lot of those tourist hotspots for what they really are, I guess, a bigger perspective once you've been there longer.
4: So tell us, what does the real Bangkok look like? Good question. Um, I think the the real Bangkok is so much more like culturally diverse than, and I think a lot of people think, like uh, people just presume it's, pretty much all Thai people like it, it. it's not it has so many different and weird and wonderful layers to it like it can cater to anyone like if you want to only hang around with Irish people all from Dublin fine there's probably a club for that there's probably <laughs> a there'll be a, there, there'll be a pub where they, they all hang out if you only want to eat Japanese food only want to eat Italian food only want to watch Chinese movies that like if in mandarin or in english or japanese you can like it's so culturally diverse mm. um and there are just so many so many little hidden i guess i don't want to say they're hidden gems that like people know about them but there are a few places that I'd go to and I, I i guess i quite enjoyed being one of few foreigners in a certain place like because i can I can be around English people when any time. Like uh, I don't, I don't want to do that whilst I'm living in Thailand. Mm. Like I used to go to um, this train market called Ratchada, which it's not like a, it's not like a hidden gem or anything like that. But tourists, it was mainly Thai. It was mainly Thai people. Just all this amazing street food, anything you can think of, and like you see these, it's like the spaces you see quite often now in like the UK, just like pop up food festivals and food trucks, mm. stuff like that. It was like that, but like the Holy Grail of it, like the, the original <laughs> version. Mm. And it was also cheap. A few places to get like a cocktails around. Also, actually I've, I want to start a campaign to, to make the beer tower in I want to bring a beer tower into every pub yes. around the world. I don't understand why we don't use beer towers in England. Don't so get it. it. Makes so, so, so much good. sense. For anyone that doesn't, hasn't seen a beer tower, it's it's a tower full of beer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, in the middle, there's like a tube which holds ice, um, and you just have like, your own dispenser to put it on the table. It's just so it's so much more fun. So much more convenient. <laughs>
3: completely agree with that um before we move on too far from from the teaching and what you did when you were out there i'm curious to know what were the kids like that you you taught in comparison to you know
4: english or european kids they were were pretty good It, it depended i had a few different classes they have a they have an english program some of these kids when they were six years old they learn mandarin as well from from like three years old, some of them spoke three languages. Wow. <laughs> it, it was a joke. Some of them, there's there's a lot of pressure. I think much like in in some Asian countries like China, there's a lot of pressure on education to the ones that that are fortunate enough to go to a private school. Mm. Like they 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 know the benefit of speaking several languages. So some of the kids were really good, but then I would be in like the the non English program classes where the parents obviously pay quite a lot less money. They have me for like two hours a week, whereas the English the English classes have me for two hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the the difference in English, like you'd, I'd go from having just conversational languages with a six year old, one of them telling me that when he's an astronaut, he'll take me to the moon, but I've got to pay him a million dollars. Well done, Elon Musk in in disguise. <laughs> um, but then I'd go into another class, the same age, and I'd just be holding like a card and say blue just shouting colors Mm. and numbers at them so it was it was very different i suppose it depends you could it's a shame that you can see which kids have money in their family or Mm. not if if you know what i mean
2: yeah so tell us then mate two years in thailand can you speak thai (laughs)
4: i i could
2: um i can't anymore
4: i actually got quite good i was like Mm. uh I was like conversational level. Like I Mm. I studied Thai when I was there. Like I went to a language school because at the time I thought I might be here for for quite a few years. I might as Mm. well dive into it, but that's gone completely out the window. When I came back to England, I tried to to stay in contact with like some Thai friends and I still speak to them sometimes, but it just, I haven't really had a chance to use it. Also, Mm. I don't, it's, I guess it just loses its necessity when when I'm here like I had to speak it there. The the best way of explaining it is that if I if at my level anyway, if I got dropped in the middle of nowhere and I needed to get back to to Bangkok or wherever like I would I would have been fine like I would have been mm. able to talk myself out of that whereas now I'd I'd have no chance. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sweet. So I want to talk about the fact that many people solo travel, but it's a little bit more unusual to hear of someone moving to one location on their own for such a long period of time. So it seems like such a brave decision to me, at least. Did you ever feel lonely or sit in that home in Bangkok and ever regret the decision that you made to move halfway across the world?
4: I don't think I ever regretted it, but the, like you do feel lonely sometimes. That was, it was just always, it's going to happen. I feel like that is, that is a side to it that a lot of people brush over and they mm-hmm. just focus on like on like, the, the glamorous side of it. But like you have to adjust. You don't really have a choice. And I think that, that makes it a lot easier. Like you have to, you have to just say yes to things and throw yourself out there because if you don't, like I had a few a few nights or maybe like a, a week, like it where you are just sort of sitting in your in your apartment on your own and you're you you, you can be wondering it's like what why am I doing this? But you mm. you have to shake yourself out of that. Otherwise, otherwise it will just eat you up, I guess. But after a few months, I, I was quite used to that personally. Well, like I said, I had a friend that was in Bangkok already, but they they weren't always there. I didn't really hang around with them like all the time, not as much as, as you might think. I got quite lucky, made some good friends at my school who worked there. They introduced me to other friends and then we had a big friendship group. And now, like I still speak to them all the time. Mm. Um, like we had a reunion actually in, in Ireland a few years ago, which was really cool to see them not in Thailand for the first time. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes it is tough, but I never regretted it. There are, There are things that I wish I did differently when I was out there, but like to actually make the decision and and leave i never regretted that no
3: okay so moving on to some other of your travels um after living in thailand for two years you went traveling where did you go and how long did you go for
4: mm, yeah so when i finished i wanted to when i finished teaching when i'd handed in my notice and everything before i went home i wanted to milk the cow dry <laughs> over that part of the world um so i did i did three months in total so not not that long backpacking like a month in a month north to south of Vietnam. Um, I didn't didn't bike. I, I went to the to the bus routes. Uh, a month through Indonesia. Um, nine days in Japan. Then I spontaneously added my my time in Japan and went to did a long weekend in Seoul just because mm. I could. Whilst I was as close to it as I could be. Mm. Um, then I did a week in the Philippines. I was meant to go to Myanmar, but I didn't. That was the last Whoa. country I was meant to go to. Um, I ended up coming, I was going to go for two weeks. I came home early and surprised my parents. But um, nice. yeah, that's the, the, the one place that eats me up sometimes that, that I didn't do <laughs> it. Uh, I, I became like really, really homesick like really quickly. I kept coming in and out of Bangkok because the airport is just so well connected. So that was always nice to feel like I was at home when I came back. But yeah, I got back to, to Bangkok before I was going to go to Myanmar.
0: And I was... you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
4: Just exhausted. Mm. I was knackered. I, I just was ready ready to go home and be a, be a mother's boy again. So, um, <laughs> so, I, so I called it there.
2: Sweet. So you said that you managed to visit five countries within that three months. So you must have seen so much in quite a congested amount of time. So, in terms of things that you did experience in that three months, what was your highlight?
4: Um, I was thinking about this earlier. There's, there are <laughs> quite a lot. I'll tell you, doing a month in Vietnam was was quite special. And I know that's like a common place for like for, for backpackers to go. It's not like I'm not like I'm discovering a, a new place at all. <laughs> but I can see why it is so popular. It was just it was just incredible. Like I met some amazing people. That um, I met them on a night bus that was leaving Hanoi. I went to went to Hanoi, went to Sapa for a few for a few days and just pissed down with rain whilst I was there. I was just in a hammock the whole time, which was nice, though. It was, it was really relaxing. But then I met these people on the night bus and then I, just, I was just with them for, for the rest of the month. So that, that was really cool. So I was hardly on my own mm. at all. And it became, I don't know it sounds cheesy and cliche. It came so much more about the people than it did about the places Like we could have been anywhere just so happened to be in one of the most beautiful countries in the world. <laughs> um, so it was great. But like the views in the more rural areas in Vietnam, just when I look back on my pictures now, they still blow my mind a bit, like mm. Ninh Binh and Phong Nha. And even like Hoi An is like an incredible place. Oh. Like it, it's so picturesque. Uh, it's glorious, glorious. Like the most incredible memory that I have, not like a specific memory, but is having a moped in these more rural areas. And being so taken away by the view that I've had to stop because otherwise mm. it would really affect my driving, mm-hmm. and like just going up, weaving in and out mountains. There was one like little valley of uh, of mountains that I got off, and I was shouting down because you could just hear your echo like ten seconds later.
1: Wow! <laughs> um,
4: uh, which, um, just it just blew my mind. I think I've still got a video of it on my old phone. Yeah, it was crazy. I think I I think I shouted, "Ah, oh, some venger out." <laughs> <laughs> Um, for yeah, so it's so a Vietnamers class. Japan was incredible. I know a lot of people have spoken about Japan on, on your podcast by now, but <laughs> plenty more like, oh, yeah. to come
2: as well. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> One other place actually that I think deserves a mention was a place called Bandung in Indonesia. They don't have that many tourists. I don't, there wasn't much to do there. I don't really know why I went there in, in hindsight, but I met some people through like the hangout feature on Couchsurfing. surfing. Like some some locals and they just mm. adopted me like it was it was incredible like I'd, they were just calling me it was like oh when I finish work I'm gonna take you to this place and tomorrow morning so and so is gonna drive you to this like these tea fields outside of town they were so so buzzing to just to show mm-hmm. me around yeah that that was that was really cool again that just goes to show it's more about the people like doing karaoke with these group of Indonesian people. Only demanding that I sing Liam Payne songs because my name's Liam, <laughs> um, and that was, that was their that was their reference. Um, yeah, so there's there's that's a part of Indonesia. Uh, I think it's West Java technically that is overlooked. People skip it and go to mm. Bali. Yeah, so i I'd, I'd probably say Vietnam or Indonesia.
3: It's so nice hearing people talk about those things because yeah, I have such fond memories of uh, in, of Vietnam as well. And when you hear other people talk about it, it just makes you like go straight back to those mm-hmm. moments. Yeah, you know, just like you said, on the moped mm. in the rural mountain areas, you do just have to stop through risk yeah. of death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, I, I,
4: I, tell me, I think that Hoi An is one of my top five places in the world. It's up there for me, for me as well. I think. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't really know what it is. It's just I could just. I was on. I rented a bicycle whilst we were there, and yeah. just like just biking through it. It was just. It, it's weird to have a balance of like buzzing, but also quite. There's quite. There's a lot of serenity there, I guess, as cheesy as it sounds. It's like a, like a perfect balance of that. I don't really remember like going to certain places though in Hoi An. I just remember enjoying the the riverside and not uh, the mm. the architecture <laughs> yeah it's
3: yeah all the colors and the, and the water and the beach isn't mm. even that far away and I, I remember the beach being really nice but okay so we know that with backpacker travel that's sort of like a lot of places in a short space of time one of the best parts about that travel is everyone has different stories you just shared a few there and um, experiences that can then influence other people's travel so i want to get deeper into some of your stories what is potentially the most exciting thing that you experienced when you were backpacking?
4: Um... <laughs> okay all right it's a it's a negatively um excited thing. um I nearly died in Indonesia from a from a food oh, allergy <laughs>
2: <Brilliant>. <laughs> um, okay. there's the titles on this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh
4: that was exciting i I couldn't tell you where i was i I literally have no idea I'm not sure if I just blanked this place out. It was like a it was before reaching Bali, coming down. It was a little beach town. It was rubbish, if I'm honest. Like, there was <laughs> nothing there. I got, by that point, I was, I'd been in Indonesia for like two, three weeks and I was just, I was seeing where buses were going and I was just booking a place. Um, so I ended up just, just going to this place, standing in one of a few hostels that were there. I wasn't really doing anything. I was just going around eating at the restaurants, driving a moped, um, just exploring, but there wasn't much to explore. Um, after dinner one night, I wanted to get I wanted to get a, a crepe. Someone was selling Nutella crepes. I thought, mm. lovely, and comfort food in, uh, in Indonesia <laughs> in the arson of nowhere. <laughs> I'm allergic to peanuts, quite rather severely, and I didn't I, for some reason. I just wasn't really thinking. Like I, I can eat Nutella; it's fine. They obviously used like the same knife that they'd used mm. for the peanut butter, and I, I should have I should have known that. I should have known that that could have happened, but I just didn't. Yeah, so I took one bite of this of this uh, of this crepe, and just instantly I was struggling to breathe, like straight away. And I was like, I, I needed to, I needed to spit. I did, I, like my mouth was just filling with with saliva. It was, it was really weird. Like my eyes were getting puffy. Um, so I, so like, I ran out of this place um After paying for it, and probably telling them it was lovely because because uh, <laughs> I'm English. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Cheers! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, this brilliant. Yeah, I'll, I'll have another one tomorrow. Thanks. <laughs> um, uh, so I so I ran out, and this place is so small. Like they, they, there wasn't a hospital. Like I ran into like a restaurant opposite. Luckily, there was a guy in there that spoke English because not many people did in this town. I realised that it was like a. It was a tourist spot, but for Indonesian tourists for like city breaks. I went went into this restaurant and like I was, I was like just holding my throat, like trying to speak to this man. Like I couldn't really say anything. I just was saying hospital, hospital. Yeah. Uh, and he said, yeah, okay. Um, So he he ran out, bless him. But I was meant to go back the next day. I did go back to the restaurant, but he, he wasn't there, unfortunately. He put me on the back of his moped and we're driving around. He was saying, doctor, we'll find a doctor's office. Um, I went, went into this like derelict doctor's office which was just basically a hut mm-hmm. I walked in and this doctor he's, he's kissing his girlfriend on the desk <laughs> <laughs> I'm, there, I'm there like struggling <laughs> struggling to breathe at this point I didn't have my EpiPen on me again such a dumb move from me I'd obviously got complacent by mm-hmm. this point didn't, I normally have like a like an allergy pill in my wallet um, and an EpiPen somewhere on my person. Like a, such a cool dude. Um, I, need to, I need to get one of those straps, um, maybe around my belt. Um, uh, yeah. So I I went into this doctor's office and he's kissing his girlfriend. And I was just looking in, like, surely this isn't, this can't be right. Like, I don't know where he's taking me. And the, the doctor, he was just wearing flip flops, shorts, and like a ripped shirt. I thought, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so I need, I need that, I need that. You help here. But he just gave me went into this cupboard at the back gave me this medicine no idea what it was but I I, I took it I laid there for a few hours and like eventually my throat started to open up again I I was sick like everywhere and I'm not sure if that was because of the medicine or because my body needed to do that probably Mm. the latter yeah so I, I felt awful for about two weeks afterwards so maybe it was the medicine so um yeah if I if that man in the restaurant didn't help me I don't know how much worse it it could have been it's the first time Mm. I knew I was allergic to peanuts but it's the first time I've had like an anaphylactic shock um so I was absolutely shitting myself (laughs) um yeah that that was horrible that
3: sounds absolutely terrifying and to be on your Mm. own as well that must have not that must have been like oh okay tell me at the time were you in panic mode or were you sort of like all the adrenaline just sort of keeping you going I need to find a doctor
4: I was in panic mode, but I was I was also able to sort of push through it. I guess it, that was one of those moments where being alone was was really scary. Like, a, mm. even like the next day, woken up, I was in like a six bed hostel, but there was no one in there. Um, it was just just me. And I remember laying there, like, God, last night, like, I don't know what to do. Like, do I do I call it a day there? Do I go home? Um, I, I, I don't know. Do I do I tell my family? I don't want them to worry.
1: Mm.
4: Yeah. So that was one of those moments where being alone was was not fun. I feel like I had quite a few like exciting things I experienced, but that's even though it's not positively exciting, that's the one I, I always remember. Remember the foremost. Did you tell your parents when you were out there? In the end, I think I told them when I got home. Um, I don't think no. I told them when, when I was out there, yeah. just because I thought I don't want to see um see my mum turning up to a plane in Bali. It's like, we're going home now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want to see that. You by the colour.
4: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
2: So Liam, I wondered if we could talk now about mental health in relation to travelling, because your podcast, Football and Feelings, it's no secret you know that I'm a massive fan of it. But I wanted to give it the massive big up so that as many people listening to this now go over subscribe do everything they need to do give your podcast a listen for sure you're a brilliant host and you've allowed so many guests to open up about their own mental health so i wondered if we could turn the tables now and ask you as someone who's been away traveling and lived abroad how would you say those experiences have shaped you to become the person you are today
4: Mm. Very kind of you, by the way. I'm I'm a big fan of this podcast as well, Mm -hmm. so um, that's that's very that's very very kind of you Uh, to be. When I was in when I was away, when I was living in Bangkok, and then afterwards, I didn't I didn't understand mental health at all. Like I just had no knowledge of it. Mm. I was it was only when I came home that I realised I probably did struggle with like anxiety levels and early levels, early stages of depression when I just before I left Bangkok. Like I didn't think that it was really an issue at the time because. I would just react to whatever the symptom was. And I thought that was the issue. So if I was, I don't know, if I was anxious and like my belly felt a bit weird, I'd think, oh, I must have eaten something strange. But obviously Mm. that wasn't the case. Or if I was feeling tired day in and day out, I'd think, I don't know, I'm probably not eating enough, I'm not sleeping enough. Then I realized later down the line that that was probably my depression starting to flag up within me I thought I was just a bit down I guess so I, mm. I definitely became more open-minded after coming back and then I learn about those things and learn not to judge people because you you don't know how mm. someone's feeling internally sometimes like on the podcast like the like the happiest people the most bubbly people I've had on after speaking to them for like 20 minutes I I managed to to open up these these little avenues of conversation and like they they go through some some pretty brutal stuff that a lot of people would would really struggle to go through and they hide it so well yeah so i get i've I've evolved quite a lot like i know i know a lot more about myself now i know that i'm very independent i guess that comes from solo traveling like i started the podcast on my own i didn't really tell anyone eventually i told my friends when i launched it but i was just gonna do it again like we were talking about earlier maybe in my town i could get sucked into not doing that stuff because i'm Mm worry about what people think of you by that point i just didn't care i guess i gained a lot of confidence but on on the flip side of that other side of that coin i feel like i've lost a lot of that confidence now from when when i was traveling like i i question all of my own actions like it, inside my own head it is it is absolute chaos like i i second guess everything that i'm doing whereas my time away felt quite fluent and easy going, and like maybe that is just Maybe that's hindsight. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I'm looking looking back. I'm like glamorizing the idea of it, if you know what I mean. But now I'm like quite a anxious bloke, I guess. But along with that, I'm a lot more mindful of how I feel, how other people feel, and I, I know what I like and what I don't like, I guess. Yeah.
2: Mm. It's really interesting hearing you talk about the fact that you're from quite a small place and the people around you, when you take that leap of faith and start a project you have that anxious moment where you think people are going to judge you because it's definitely something that I can relate to as well. When this podcast got off the ground, my first thought wasn't, I'm really looking forward to doing uh, these conversations with Mm. people. My mind immediately went to what are people going to perceive this podcast to be? Is this guy going to be showy? Does Mm. he want the people looking at him? All these kinds of things. Mm. So I know that I definitely couldn't have started this podcast two, three years ago from the place that I was in. So I wondered, Liam, do you think you could have started the podcast, let's say before traveling, or did you not have the self-assurance of what you're doing to make that happen?
4: Definitely not. Like, n- not a chance. N- no way. Like, I was um, I, I was just like a, a product of, of that town. Like, I was just going to the same shitty nightclubs, trying to repress the same people that I didn't care mm. about, listening to music that I don't even like, Um, <laughs> just trying trying to fit in in, in whatever way possible. So I, you, you're probably right, actually. I've never really thought about it. Before I went traveling, if I was to carry on that route, I I wouldn't be doing this because I wouldn't have learned about myself and then wouldn't have learned about how other people deal with this stuff. Yeah. So yeah, good point. I've never really thought about that. I'm glad now that I know that I I broke through that barrier. But for you, when you, when you started that, when you started this podcast, were you surprised at how people like welcomed it or or did you, did you still get like any
2: backlash? Uh, I was surprised by the amount of, kind messages there were and people who are looking forward to supporting me on what i was doing because immediately you just think to the negative and what people are going to think in negative aspects of what you're doing but ultimately there'll be people who are lovely and support you and help you get something off the ground because i'm sure you know liam like Mm. when you start something and you don't have an audience they're the people who need to lift what you're doing because otherwise you're, you've you yeah. got no one to talk to yeah, yeah. otherwise you're just mm. shouting in, into the abyss <laughs> yeah exactly I can do stuff now and not worry about what people are going to think of it because of the self-confidence of mm. the product that Saunders and I are creating yeah. that's I think what it's got to
4: sorry to interrupt sorry to take over the interview here um, <laughs> what about you Saunders because like you do like a lot of presenting and stuff now and like you said we share we both come from the same same, can- same county, you get a lot of the same attitudes. Is that weird now or are you so far past it? No,
3: I mean, for me, it was like, I think about the sort of stuff I do now and, and then think about the person I was before university. And I, I, I imagine like telling me when I was 17 that you'll be doing this when you're mm. in your 20s would probably mm. send me into an anxiety attack. Like <laughs> I would not want to be involved. Like I was very, very much uh, not a, a an extrovert in any way. Very much mm. like my, my brothers and my mum, very much are. So I was sort mm. of like the polar opposite. Uh, but then at that, that sort of developed, and I found some confidence. And I mean, if I'm being completely honest, even now with a, with a job that's very much you know uh, in front of camera and stuff, I still have loads of issues with my own performance and stuff, and, my, and worries about how I how I'm perceived. And I think that's just. I mean, it's a number of things, but I, I base, uh, in relation to what you guys were saying as well, I think that's very much uh, a product of the society that we live in now, you know, you're always having to be the best version of yourself. Mm. Um, and when you don't, like, you should hear some of my outtakes, guys. If I mess up, <laughs> I'm like, you're such a prick. Why are you doing that? You're you me this one line. I have to, like, say sorry mm. to the editors, like because <laughs> yeah. i've just been like yeah riffing on myself yeah. I, I
4: would never speak to someone in the way i speak to myself it's, uh, it's yeah, awful yeah, so my true. inner my inner dialogue is um is, is absolutely brutal and it's, i know
3: i completely agree but it's a shame isn't it because like you know we, we should treat ourselves with the same kindness that we treat others because oh, you know we, sure. we live in our own skin and our own brains but we don't yeah. give ourselves the break that we give anybody else exactly yeah Th- this um this conversation actually here that it quite nicely leads on to um, a question that we wanted to ask, which was, if you could talk to yourself back pre-travel, your former self, what advice would you give them based on what
4: you've learned? Oh, God, that's a good question. Um, the Liam that went to Thailand, I'd say, was quite a lot more shy. But like, I'd, now I'm I'm more confident, but also I, I I can pretend that I'm confident when I'm not. Whereas back then, I, I don't know if I, if I could do that. I don't know. So that's a really good question. You you've shot me there. I don't. <laughs> I I would advise myself to to be a bit more mindful and start learning about about my own psychology. I'd say I probably I probably start there because like I I cannot, I no longer just drift through things. And sometimes I would long for those days where I was a bit mindless. But mm. also that can lead to some. It can lead to some decisions which will come to bite you on the ass later in life. I'd probably say just do more I guess like I'm, I'm an overthinker now if anything the person back then was a bit more like I would probably preferred that person which is which is a sad to say but it's it has I don't know it has it it's positives and it's negatives like i i don't know like, uh, you've you stabbed me there you, you've, uh, you've got me there with that question
3: <laughs> well, a, a, a follow-up to it is so based on what you know now and what you've learned um i do you find that you know in, in your current state, tr- travel can help with mental health and mindfulness and kind of being connected with other people like-minded you know individuals but also things like just being out in nature that's a that's a prescribed treatment now isn't it to, mm-hmm. to, to go yeah. out in nature have you found that help yourself
4: yeah, definitely, and that, I feel like that's actually been highlighted um, throughout our these various lockdowns. Like I, I, I live near the seaside. I've got some nice farms and like little uh, little trails and stuff to walk in. And I didn't really appreciate them before lockdowns. Mm. And now every morning, as soon as I wake up, I go for a walk. That's the first thing I do, just because it it brings me down, and I. Fucking love being in nature, and mm. uh, that's well. We'll come onto this later when I, I know you do your your sort of quick fire questions towards the end. Um, and <laughs> we'll, we'll come on to like my preferences now have changed so much. Like I, cities are impressive and I love them, but I, I need I physically need nature. Like there's mm. a, it's a necessity for my mental well being. And yeah, connecting with people. That's I feel that's just what humans are. It's just what we. It all boils down to. If it wasn't for other people, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't. Like, forget about reproduction we wouldn 't survive like we wouldn't mm. have been able to to eat we wouldn't have been able to to drink or anything like that. So when we have all this clutter in our lives now, it makes it which we think is helping us connect more, but it 's actually distancing us a little bit that 's why I enjoy doing this podcast, and Maybe you two have found that it it gives me a chance to connect with people that I probably wouldn 't connect with otherwise. Mm. And even though it is prepared and I research the questions and I think very carefully about the order and how they're, they're going to segue, all I genuinely want to hear those answers because mm. quite often, because of how I feel in my own head, I want to see if they feel like similar things just to connect with them because that takes the weight off your shoulders when you know that other people are in the same boat as you. Right? I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe you two have found that as well. But um, yeah, connecting with people is... I notice if I go a week now with not without connecting to people, I can feel it. I can feel it in I feel it I feel it in my legs, funnily enough. Like that's where <laughs> um that's where that's when when I feel depressed, when I go into like a depressive episode, my legs are where I feel it, like really? They're, they're really heavy. Um, which is is strange. I'm, I'm not sure. Not sure why that is. That's <laughs> um, really interesting. Yeah, I feel it like in my legs first, and then it and it comes up a little bit.
3: I completely agree with everything you just said there. Then I think you, you you've now some really interesting points there. And there is something in terms of like the podcast side of things. There is something really quite mindful about preparing answers or questions, isn't it? Because it's not just saying it the first thing. Because often the first thing we say isn't necessarily what we really mean or mm. really feel, mm. is it? And having the ability to write it down first, or at least have some pre thought really gets to you know how you really feel about something and yeah. i think it's essential i do it before anything anything i do professionally mm. i kind of like go through almost like pre-live it first so then when i live it i'm living it for the second time so it's mm. no way less yeah. stressful
4: i journal as well that's been quite a quite a big help recently with my with my mental health like i sometimes i don't know how i feel about stuff until i until i get it out on a piece of paper or with a pen like it doesn't doesn't need to make sense it doesn't need to be long it doesn't like i'll, I'll just write how i'm feeling Then i normally round that off with like how to turn that into a positive or sometimes I'll try like positive affirmations. I know they're a bit cheesy. Mm. They get a bit of a bad rap, but like that genuinely does help. Cause it's how your uh, My problems come from how I speak to myself. So mm. using stuff like positive affirmations and meditation, I'm able to speak to myself in a better light, which then improves everything that I do. <laughs> so, um, if it's a bit cheesy, fuck it. I don't care. I'll, mm. I'll, I'll still do it.
2: <laughs> awesome. I wanted to talk about the fact that many people in life don't know what their purpose is so as someone who took the leap and acted on a bold idea that to many people would only ever be an idea would you recommend living abroad and or traveling as a way to work out what you want to do with your life?
4: I don't I I don't think I necessarily back the idea of like finding yourself when you go away like a I, I understand it. It probably help, help works with some people. Like I, but when I came back, I still had a lot of work to do to work out mm. where I want to go in life. Like I, like I, it's put me in good stead. Don't get me wrong. To have these life experiences and the memories that I had, I actually said this in a in an interview, a job interview I had the other day. It was like I went away, but I didn't. I wouldn't say I found myself at all. But I have just more strings to my bow, I guess. That you can't learn by, you can't pick up by studying at home or, or working or. or doing doing whatever. So I I would recommend to anyone because you don't know how it will affect you. Like for me, that's just how it's happened. But someone else, they might have this like really deep foundation that they can then build on and they might find out they want to, they might want to live abroad in a little cafe or something like that on a little beach hut. If that's Mm. what makes them happy, then do it. Like one thing that keeps me up at night is the thought of being older and having like what if in my mind mm. all the time, and like you, sh- you should have taken that opportunity. Like I understand it's not that easy because everyone we've all got responsibilities, people have kids, mortgage, and stuff like that. But if you really want it to happen, you can make it mm, work for sure. Do more is my my advice, pretty much. Seek discomfort as the yes fairy oh. lads like like to uh, like to put it. Um, <laughs> I've, I feel like I've grabbed a few opportunities that have come my way. And I don't want to stop doing that, but that's that's in and out of travel. Like I've done that at home Like by starting this podcast. That's something that has helped me find myself just as much as living in Bangkok has. Mm. So I think you can you can have little ways of doing that in your day to day. And like you said, traveling at home, like little staycations and stuff like that like that's amazing. We live in a class country and the UK is amazing and I've hardly seen any of it. Mm. And I know people always say this on your podcast, but
0: um,
4: <laughs> reason like the nature thing on that note, I really want to go camping. I've never been properly camping. So that's like, that's towards the top of my, my list of things to do this summer. Yeah, do more, take a leap. The worst that can happen is that you die from a mm. peanut allergy in Indonesia. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so honest, I, I thought we were going to clang the Scotland klaxon there. I was so ready <laughs> no, to. I,
4: it. I, I knew, I, I knew this. I knew that was going to happen. I was right. I was, I was thinking of some answers earlier, and of, well, I'm I, not going to make Scotland. That it's got too much airtime.
3: <laughs> I was waiting for that too. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, in my head I was like please say Scotland please say Scotland <laughs> uh, no I mean I completely completely agree with that entire school of thought really really well put as well uh, and I think there's a lot of people that will probably really resonate with what you just said there it, it isn't often about finding yourself like you said it's about occupying a di- you know a different perspective thinking a bit out of the box, getting out of your comfort zone. And then that that kind of, mm. I guess, well, it did for me anyway, uh, helped me see what, the, what were the things in life that I was interested in and I liked and then exploring those avenues, whether it be jobs that orientated around that or being a bit more creative in whatever job I was looking to do or, you know, places i was looking to go but yeah no really 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 well put um now it's the time in the podcast where we go into those quick fire questions as you uh you said earlier
4: <laughs> yep, yep yep i've seen the show so, i've seen
3: it you first worry. of all favorite city obviously excluding bangkok favorite city and why okay
4: <laughs> tokyo nice i will go with tokyo just because you can get lost there man like you you I feel like a lot of people are worried about big cities, but I, I do enjoy them. There's something about Tokyo and just Japan in general. I feel like Westerners can we can be subconsciously arrogant into how thinking about how other people live their life. And you go somewhere like Japan, and they couldn't give a toss what what are Like they're not us. They've got their own infrastructure, their own economy, their own everything. Like they don't. They don't care what we're doing. They've got their own culture. That is amazing. Like I have really fond memories of Japan. A bit like Bangkok, I guess you can make of it what you want. If you want to live like a really fit lifestyle, you can. If you want to be drinking in Golden Guy until seven a.m., then you can do that as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say Tokyo. I did think of Budapest though. That came into mm. my mind at, at one point. But yeah, I, I was meant to spend six months in Budapest before COVID. I ended up spending one month because because of COVID. I was tra- I was uh, studying abroad, so that got mm. cut short. But um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with Tokyo. Tokyo, I mean, that's what a, what a bonkers place,
3: <laughs> but also really, really good. And, um, you know, that thing you were mentioning there about the idea of them not really caring about what everyone, anyone else is doing. When I went there, like, I had a tour guide that sort of tried to explain in quite broken English um, <laughs> why that is. And it's really, I don't know if this is the complete gospel, but if it is, it's really interesting. So back in like the early uh, 20th century, before the First World War, Second World War, sorry, in between the First and Second World War, there was like this real change of power in Japan where it suddenly went to be more like government and less empire as, as and less like royal as it was as it had been in the centuries before that but they then were like what are the, what is the rest of the world doing to, to for trade like how is the rest of the world developing way quicker than us that sort of thing so they started occupying these like western school of thoughts and ultimately it led to their involvement in world war ii which obviously went really badly for them wow mm-hmm. so it's almost like from that they learned the ultimate lesson to just do their own thing because it worked for centuries beforehand. Don't worry about what the West is doing. Let's wow. just do us. Let's just do us. But yeah, no, fascinating. J- Japan is a great core in Tokyo. What a what he?
4: That's mad. I didn't know that. I thought maybe they just didn't want to be us Western imperialist swines. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and Budapest and Tokyo, both quite highly regarded cities in the world. But is there an underrated city that sticks out to you?
4: Again, this is mainly because of the people and that is Bandung or Jakarta in Indonesia mm. because for the reason I said earlier, people just skip them and go to Bali. And like I understand that because Bali is, is a paradise, right? It is, is incredible. But the people there in, in Java and in West Java, they are the friendliest that I've ever met. They're so, so thrilled to have... Uh, Liam Payne there with them, um, so it was it was it was incredible. Like they're so proud of their culture, and I guess that that's something that was quite new to me. Like I know that's um, it's a bit of a cliche when people like talk about people they've met, but like I I don't have like much pride of where I come from. Not because mm. like, I don't appreciate it, just because I don't know. Just it doesn't really cross my mind. I guess we're so privileged that we don't have to. Mm. But um, mm. yeah, somewhere like Bandung, there's not an awful lot to do. But get yourself on Couchsurfing. If you want, I can put you in touch with a nice group of people. Uh, They'll look after you. They'll take you to some nice tea fields. They will, uh, yeah, they'll get you on karaoke. So yeah, go for it. Love it.
3: Okay. How about favorite country and why? And you can say Thailand. Well, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah,
4: I probably will. Yeah, I'll probably say Thailand. Just because, that's (laughs) not a surprise at all, is it? Um, Just because like, it's such a big country that like you have, there's so many options of stuff to do. Like if you want to, experience really rural Thailand and you can like the north is so different to the south but if you want to be on like a paradise island like there's so many options some of the best islands in the world if you want a city there are several like amazing cities so yeah I probably would go Thailand I will go back one day but I, I, there are still a lot of places that I want to I want to tick off before, mm. uh, before I go back again. Maybe I'll go full circle and I'm teaching there again. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and obviously you've got such an affinity with the country of Thailand, so it was maybe an obvious answer that you were going to say there. But is there anywhere else which comes close for you?
4: I don't know if there is. I really don't know. Like Vietnam was amazing, but I, but mm. my experience in Vietnam was moving constantly. So yeah. I, like, I can't say like Bangkok, I, I was quite settled there. So it was... It's quite hard to say. Um, I'll, I'll probably go to Scotland.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> 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 Alex, we need to get a bagpipe sound that just goes <laughs> until. does <laughs> so uh, I've actually never been to Scotland. I, I, I regret to inform <laughs> <laughs> you. You <laughs> um, it for the podcast. I love it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. My, one place in Mallorca, um, my parents go to the same place every year for a few months, Porta Polenta. That is like a, like a little paradise that a lot of people go to a lot of german families go there on, on their holidays but um, for me that's like a, if i need comfort for a month and to do nothing that's where i'd want to go ab- above all i think but yeah I, 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 th- I can't think of anything close to thailand unfortunately no it's good to hear it though.
3: i went to that Plant a few few years ago so mates. it is a lovely mm, place isn't it it place. is nice
4: it's quite low key like it's it's just pretty chilled out nice beaches but nothing like so exceptional that people travel far and wide to, to get to it it's <laughs> just yeah a bit under the radar Exactly.
2: Sweet. So let's talk about food now, because obviously food plays such a massive role in the way that we travel. I can imagine it's not going to be that (laughs) Nutella crepe Mm. in uh, Indonesia. (laughs) (laughs) But would you consider yourself a foodie before we dig deeper into individual dishes?
4: Yeah, I'm more of a foodie at home for Mm. some reason, which like, when I go away, maybe because of that experience, I'm a lot more cautious and i've always got my epipen always yeah. mum if you're listening i've always got it i've always got it so yeah i'd, I'd, I'd say i am but i'm more cautious these days uh, and in, t- in your opinion
3: now, the places you've visited well, what's the best country for food it's just
4: it's just such an obvious answer like <laughs> no, you know what i'm going to say yeah uh, yeah thailand again like it's although i will say spain is quite close like i, mm. I do i love a mediterranean diet a paella a good paella it does, it does things to mm. you it fuels the soul whereas Thai food—it's just like I was eating it three meals a day for like nearly two years, and I just didn't miss Western food like hardly at mm. all. Like there is—I feel like also Thai food has evolved quite a lot, mm. probably more than people think it has. So even if you don't necessarily like Asian food that much, you can still find something that you will like. Like I was eating sticky rice and pork for breakfast, or rice porridge. Like mm. uh, you just threw all the rules out the window. Yeah they they managed to evolve without losing any like, traditional flavours so I I'll, I'll go with Thai food. God get a change the record. <laughs> <laughs> did you find did you find when you came back from Thailand that you, if you had like a
3: Thai takeaway in the UK because I remember the first one I had I was like it's not the same. It's <laughs> just <Yeah. laughs> not new. So what are these are not spring rolls.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, to be for some reason maybe that's why actually I never thought about it. I don't eat much Thai food at home and that probably is why. There is, a, there is a really nice Thai restaurant near me, actually, in Walton-on-Sea, which I haven't been to in a while. Um, I went in there when I just came back, and I was speaking Thai to the, to the husband and wife in there. Nice. I should have kept going back. I should have been practicing with them. If I, if I do eat Thai food in the UK, I make sure that it's a, it's a, proper, a proper Thai chef and not just a bloke called Dave trying to whip up a pad <laughs> Thai. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so let's talk about best particular food or dish. I wanna take us all the way back to the time, probably when you were in Thailand. Is there an individual dish that you remember and absolutely loving?
4: Yeah, there there are two, but they're both from the same place. It was opposite my school we don't know what what her, la- her name was we called her garlic chicken lady and she quite, <laughs> she quite enjoyed it she quite enjoyed it she did, she didn't speak that much english but she she knew enough to like to serve us the foreign teachers it was just it was a tiny it was like a little street stall but she had like some chairs there she made the most incredible garlic chicken with rice that like i've ever tasted i i haven't even tried to replicate it but um always with a fried egg on top that uh, that always went a long way difficult now i don't eat that much meat these days so I, I probably would struggle like back in in thailand now i imagine it probably had loads of msg in probably mm, like it, it did taste it did taste <laughs> yeah it did taste it tasted really good though so there's that and there was pad siu which is like thick glass noodles like they're they're really thick they're like like slugs almost <laughs> it was that with a you could have with whatever chicken beef again with a fried egg on top um, which is just the, the norm in, in Thailand, and yeah, that was amazing. It's quite, it's quite oily. Um, only a small portion would do me, but it was. Yeah, I, I, it, I'm, my mouth's watering thinking about no.
1: it.
3: <laughs> so we've talked on the on the show so far about some of the good places you went to, some great experience, but are there places that you would never go back to?
4: There's one city, I wouldn't go back to, it's a bit of a random one, Bratislava. Um, okay. <laughs> a bit of a strange one. I went there when I was in Budapest, um, I was with friends who were all like all students studying there and we did we did a weekend away we booked two we booked bratislava and then two weeks later we we're going to do prague we came back from bratislava and covid happened and we couldn't go to prague so we were all gutted because that was everyone wanted to do that one first yeah. i don't know why we didn't We went like late winter, early spring and there was just nothing, nothing going on. It was just, it felt like it looked really nice and it felt like the city wasn't utilizing like the incredible beauty of itself. I don't know, I don't know why. Maybe COVID had an impact, but that was sort of before covid hit there so i Mm. yeah i probably wouldn't go back there also that beach town there where i had that crap i wouldn't go back there just because (laughs) it was not just the incident because it was it was a it was a bit rubbish i wish i could remember the name i was thinking earlier i was even on google maps like going which route did i take um no i can't i can't think of anything
2: usually we ask the place that you could always go back to but i wanted to kind of adapt it slightly and ask you a place which you feel you need to go back to
4: yeah philippines or japan a hundred percent like both just have a lot more to offer but like for japan especially like a week in japan that the amount of money i'd spend that i could that would probably cost the same as like a month in indonesia so Mm. i i had to sort of you know work on my priorities there but i would love to spend loads of time in japan when money isn't an issue and just take it really slowly probably spend about a week in Kyoto because that place just blew my mind. Mm. Yeah, I, I had to make a decision and that was quite a hard decision. And Philippines, just because the, like there's so many islands, you could just island hop for months and you would you would get nowhere near finishing them. And it's just a completely different lifestyle. So very like different answers with, with different things. But I'd probably say Japan first, just because, I don't know, it, It's there's something about that place. And I know everyone talks about it. Everyone says it on here mm-hmm. as well, but it is... And let, until you've been there, it, you just can't understand how it, how magical it, it feels. So well kept <laughs> as well. It's so, so clean.
3: Yeah. No. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So now, final part of the show. Let's talk about bucket list destinations. What sits at the very top of your bucket list, and why is it there?
4: This answer, if you asked me, before lockdown, it would have been, it would have been New York. Mm-hmm. Before various lockdowns, it would have been New York. Now it's, um, it's Vancouver, which I know is still a city, but since doing since lockdown started to start being a thing i've loved hiking and walking and i've never Mm. done like a proper hiking trip so i'd love to try that in the mountains on the outskirts of vancouver i hope i'm not just looking through rose-tinted glasses but it looks incredible from from what i've seen like it it looks it looks approachable it looks like it's like the city looks like it has a lot to offer And apparently, it's like it's one of the most, it's one of the biggest hotspots for immigration, which I think says Mm. a lot for the quality of life there. Yeah, it looks like it can satisfy the city lover in me, but then also the nature. Other in me. Have I? Have you been?
3: I uh, no, not to. I've been to Toronto, but mm. never been to Vancouver. Yeah, yeah but it's either. on. It's high, high on the mm. list, for sure. Yeah. But if you're into your walking and you're hiking at the moment, mate, you know where I'm going to say to <laughs> go.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Chelmsford again. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no flight needed. Just a little drive. Yeah, Scotland, Scotland to... is Scotland is on my radar. Like, I'll, I'll say it. I'll I'll, I'll satisfy <laughs> you. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I don't really have like an excuse for having not been to Chelsea, to um to Chelmsford. <laughs> (laughs) To to scotland just like my friends went not too long ago i'm not sure what they what they hiked i I don't remember but i i had i was going to go but i'd just done my ankle i ripped a ligament to shreds my ankle Mm. so i couldn't go they drove They drove overnight and then did a hike The when the, when they arrived. It must have been exhausted. But yeah, I, I regret not being able to go on that trip. It's on the list, Sauners. That's all Good I'm saying. To hear. On the list.
2: Good, to hear. Good to hear. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad we finally made it happen because it's been a brilliant episode. And I really, really appreciate you coming on. I want to promote football and feelings, but I can't do half the job that you can. So I'll just chuck it over to you. Why should people go and listen to Football and Feelings?
4: Okay, Football and Feelings is a podcast that discusses football and mental health hand in hand. It's a perfect little cocktail of reflection, self-love, <laughs> self, self-life self lessons. Um, a bit of chat about football occasionally, but that's really a subsidiary to the deep conversations I have with content creators, with football fans, with some ex-pros as well. So if you like football and you want to see a deeper side to football lovers and not just like the... I'm 22. I'm from Watford and I love Watford. <laughs> 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 Obviously. Like if you want to get past football Twitter and be part of like a, a supportive community, then find me at Football and Feelings. Lovely Definitely, stuff. Would
3: really recommend it. Get it done. I'll have
4: you both on. We'll have. I, I was thinking <laughs> earlier, what we've spoken about this. I think I'll have you both on separately because there's a lot of stuff I want to ask you both. Yeah. I, I'll, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it. I'm a massive fan. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm fanboying a little bit. I do feel like I've won a competition. Um, keep up the good work.
3: The pleasure is all ours. Honestly, thanks so much for for your time and for chatting through the stories. I think there's some you know, some great stories, some great topics, with some really important things as well there to for people listening to. Hopefully, this it's, um, help them with any decision making they've got going on when it comes to travel, or maybe even working abroad or living abroad, like you have. But yeah, mate, it's been great.
2: Yeah, absolute pleasure, mate. Appreciate it.
3: So there we go. Episode thirty-two, all wrapped up. Alex, that was such a good chat. I feel so much like weight off me after that chat. That was so good.
2: Yeah, Liam is a pro. He's an absolute pro at allowing people to open up and talk about um, not only their mental health, but so many different aspects. And to hear him talk about his travels and the way that they've affected him was just amazing to listen to. And honestly, such a such good guy. Loads of fun to record it as well.
3: Some of the stuff that he was talking about will be really helpful to people as well, mm. not just from the the you know mindfulness and mental health side of things, but just like how you go about living in another country for uh, a few years and how it can actually open up loads of opportunities. Because it's not mm. just about being scared and you know being the tourist for two years. Like he fully embedded himself in. In in like you know a friendship group and living yeah. in another country, doing all the things that the locals would, and it's certainly in a way that I even hadn't really thought about. So for anyone thinking about teaching abroad or even living abroad, I mean this conversation has hopefully been very helpful.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I was I was really impressed, to be fair, when he said that he could speak Thai because when asking that question, I was. Kind of little bit expecting him to say that he had a few words up in his locker, but for him to say that he could speak Thai and get himself out of most situations and had good conversational Thai was really impressive. And to be fair, and testament to him for immersing himself in the culture.
3: It's not an easy language. That's for sure. (laughs)
2: I was useless at it when I went there. (laughs) But
3: yeah, as always, we want to know what you thought of the podcast. Leave a comment, review the episode, subscribe to Travel Talks if you haven't already. Turn your notifications on so you don't miss the next episode. But yeah, hopefully you've taken as much from that as we had recording it.
2: Yeah, and before you go, make sure to go over to Football and Feelings as well. They're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, they will be there. And there are so many good episodes for you to listen to. There's a massive backcast log to get stuck into. But let him know that Travel Talk sent you. Leave a nice review because... Like we touched on there, mental health takes one minute to leave a nice review, but it will make Liam's day. So do that. Um, It will mean a lot to all of us.
3: And make sure to come back to Travel Talks next week for a brand new
2: episode. But this has
3: been a good one. I've enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, really good. See you next week, guys.